Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Regular listeners know that I'm a big fan of mountain biking at night and having a reliable bright light is crucial. Glowworm is a mountain bike light brand founded almost a decade ago by two mountain bikers in New Zealand. And today the company offers some of the most customizable, highest quality bike lights on the market. Glowworm's complete line of lights start at 1,200 lumens and range up to a blinding 3,400 lumens, all at reasonable prices. There are a few things Glowworm does differently that makes their lights unique and highly customizable. The optics can be swapped at home depending on the types of trails you ride, and their lights use standard GoPro-style and quarter-turn mounts. Many of the lights work with a bar-mounted remote, which can be used to control one or more lights at once. Right now, Glowworm is offering 20% off all light systems on their website with the coupon code SINGLETRACKS19. Go to glowwormlights.co.nz, that's G-L-O-W-O-R-M-L-I-T-E-S dot co dot N-Z, or click the link in the show notes to take advantage of this offer. The next time you're shopping for mountain bike gear, check out singletracks.com slash deals. Each week, we share our favorite product picks and exclusive coupon codes from our partners. You can also use the page to search for whatever you're buying, from complete mountain bikes to brake sets and tire sealant. That's singletracks.com slash deals. And to get our weekly picks delivered to your inbox, be sure to sign up for our newsletter. Links to the newsletter and deals page are in the show notes. Hey everybody, welcome to the Single Tracks Podcast. My name is Jeff, and today my guest is Ryan Leach. Ryan is a mountain bike trials writer who has starred in many mountain bike films over the years, and he's performed live in front of audiences around the world. He's also a mountain bike skills coach and trainer, offering online programs covering topics like wheelies, cornering, and jumping. Thanks for joining us, Ryan. Yeah, you bet. No, really glad to be here. So, how did you get started in mountain biking? Yeah, I was a teenager, early teens, and like most people who start mountain biking, uh, fun, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, that's, uh, and, and sure enough, it was fun. However, like it was because it was such a long time ago now <laughs> when I did start it, the sport was really still tiny. There wasn't a lot of mountain bikers yeah. out there. And so I, I actually didn't know that I was mountain biking i was just riding my bike in the forest <laughs> right. across the street from where i grew up splashing through puddles and stuff and it wasn't until i saw a magazine in a store uh, a mountain biking magazine that i was like hey that's what i'm doing <laughs> yeah. so like i studied that magazine cover to cover I read everything over and over and you know i was i was hooked yeah cool and where did you grow up you're in bc now is that where you got started yeah, I grew up in BC, close to Vancouver, in a suburb, and you know, North Shore was close by, and just endless trails to go explore. So I was uh, fortunate to have my stomping ground, um, uh, you know, here in, in BC. It's um, yeah, it's a great place. Certainly shapes shapes a lot of uh, pro rider careers. That's for sure. Yeah, definitely. 
So what kind of sort of disciplines were you interested in early on? And how did that transition to trials riding? Like you said, you didn't know you were mountain biking. Did you know then that you were trials riding? Or was that something that looked interesting to you? Or how, how did you make that transition? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I got into it and it was like, okay, you know, people who mountain bike, they race cross country, um, they rate, they race downhill. And so that's what I got into. It just happened to be that the forest that I practiced in had, they always had a ton of blowdowns, like logs across the trail. And so that was one of the things that I ended up getting really good at was riding and hopping over logs. And, um, it, it was during sort of my racing stint that I happened across a trial show mm-hmm. from some some local trials riders, Team Orb. And I was like, wow, that's so cool. That's <laughs> kind of like what I do over the logs. And so again, it was like, I'm going to do that. And, and I also then found some uh, Hans Ray videos and Ot Pie videos and was studying those. And I was practicing in between my training sessions for cross country. And eventually the cross country training went to the wayside and all of my attention began focused on uh, trials riding. So, yeah. And and that was like, and then trials became my career for over 20 years as a pro. Yeah. Wow. Did the trials start out? I mean, did you do a lot of building of obstacles and things or was this more just (laughs) you developed the skills to tackle sort of natural terrain that was in your way? Um, Both. So the cool thing about trials riding is that you can really practice anywhere. Like in your neighborhood, there's always parks with ledges and rocks and things to kind of hop and bounce on and experiment with and play with. And in fact, you know, for even if you're not into trials, just any mountain biker, you know, I highly encourage them to go, go to your local park and mess around, just play about, have some fun. You know, that's really where a lot of incredibly valuable skills are developed that are often a lot harder to develop when you're just riding trail. Mm -hmm. So um, I ended up taking over my parents' front and backyards (laughs) by building a whole bunch of obstacles like different wooden stunts. And I collected pallets and spools and balance beams and uh, log rounds. And I just, I, I just created a full playground. So grateful for my parents that they allowed that because it, you know, it, you know, as, as they said, it's like, well, I guess that, uh, that paid off for you. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, yeah, that's really cool. So you started out, you were doing these like trials competitions and things. How'd you end up starring in mountain bike movies? Um, yeah. So, I mean, again, like getting into trials, it was like, okay, doing trials and okay, now what's next, I guess it's to go to a trials competition. Mm-hmm. And so, so that was part of my journey into development, into the development of those skills. And it happened that I got pretty good. And so I was invited to join a demo team to put on shows and perform and entertain at different events. So I started doing that as a teenager as well. You know, I was like, uh, 16 by the time I was doing my first trial show. Wow. And so, you know, that led to um, some sponsorship and sponsorship led to a little more notoriety. And that led to um, people noticing me and mm-hmm. being invited on film shoots. And so that was kind of the trickle effect, kind of like any, kind of like anything, you know, you just um, gradually, if it's going to work out, you just kind of the right opportunity shows up at the right time and you follow it if it's meant to be. And it was meant to be. So I, um, you know, got um, the start of like, 
you know, being featured in DVDs, VHS originally, and, and then <laughs> right. the DVDs, you know, a whole series of, um, you know, that's how we consumed mountain bike media back then. We waited for a year before the new feature film came out. Right. And so I was, I was lucky to have segments in a lot of those um, original mountain bike movies. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what, what was the most challenging aspect writing in a film? Was that different than doing it in say a competition or like in front of an audience? Yeah, for me, I really enjoyed the creative style of trials riding and much more than competition. So I, I pretty quickly gave up competition and just focused on more fun, creative, entertaining kind of riding. Yeah. And so, yeah, that favored really well for, for video segments and the, the, you know, the challenge always for filming videos is, you know, it takes time to, collect all those key lines. Right. Well, I mean, I guess the upside is you, you can fail, right? I mean, you can try a thing until you get it. You only have to get it once and get it on film. But then I guess the downside is you're doing things that are more difficult, potentially more risky, I guess. Yeah. You know, I'm glad you actually say the downside, <laughs> you know, it's, it's interesting. You, you use that those words, you chose those words. Mm -hmm. I'd like to hear more about that. Actually. I mean, I have my own, I have my own theory and ideas, you know, it's been a huge theme of my career yeah. to deal with the fact that I'm making a living by taking risks. Right. And you know, the definition of a pro rider, especially in the sort of free ride or even yeah, downhill, any, any of these disciplines uh, is that pro riders are the ones who are able to ride this razor edge between complete disaster and um, pushing the boundaries. Right. So they're able to consistently push boundaries without killing themselves. <laughs> right. And, right. And so the tragic thing is that there's a whole pool of riders that have uh, wrecked themselves in their quest to become pro, you know, especially with the higher risk styles of riding, you know, more the big mountain, you know, um, anything with big air mm -hmm. is right up there with a lot of carnage. Yeah. You know, a lot of people who you never hear about kind of getting, dealing with, you know, catastrophic and just, or just a, a huge list of injuries at a young age. So anyway, I could go on, you know, that's a big topic for me. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm always interested to understand that, especially from professional athletes like yourself. And, you know, we've, we've interviewed mountain bike filmmakers as well to hear sort of their side, you know, do they feel like they're pushing athletes to do things that are risky or, or not? And yeah, it's, it's fascinating, especially for those of us who don't do this for a living. Yeah. You know, there, I mean, again, it's like, you know, it's a combination We're we're in this thing together. It's not the filmmaker per se that is pressuring the rider. Not sponsors. I mean, sponsors, I could see that too. You got to make a name for yourself and please them. So it's a combo. Yeah, totally. It's a combo. So it's like the combination of the filmmaker, the rider, the sponsors, the audience, the notoriety, all these things are combined together to result in choices mm -hmm. to ride certain stunts and lines that wouldn't be ridden otherwise. Right. If there wasn't the competition, if there wasn't this feature film, if there wasn't the incentive to make money 
if there wasn't the chance to meet really cool people, if you get successful and to be in this crowd, yeah. you know, th these are all like, they're all amazing things. You got to take these risks to get there, which is really. Was it stressful? I mean, was it stressful for you in those, in those years when you were doing these films and, and tours and things? Yeah, it became stressful for sure. You know, especially when, you know, I, began to realize that I was part of this, you know, this was my job. Like when it became, when it's like, this is my job. Like there was like um, a phase early on where it's like, you know, I'm just so excited exploring what my bike and my body is capable of and the decisions that kind of came along with that, exploring sort of the thrill and the adrenaline and um, exploring my own limits based on my own um, curiosity that was sort of inherent in this exploration of, you know, our, our bike, body, mind. And so, you know, that, that led to being in the spotlight and that led to a creation of momentum forward that I began to be influenced by this, um, this ongoing need to continue doing what I've done and to continue doing what I've done, but even better and to want continue this cycle of one upmanship was at times stressful. And, um, at times it was like, yeah, it was, yeah. I was doing things that I didn't want to do yeah. and I was doing lines over and over again to get just the right shot or the right photo. And those are things that I wouldn't do otherwise. Right. Yeah. Well, was there a point where you, where you stepped back and, and like looked into the future and said, man, if I keep doing this, like, how am I going to continue? How can I continue one upping myself? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And so, you know, that was where, you know, I did, I was pretty awake in the, you know, I was a pro for 20 years because I did challenge those things you know, I was fairly quick to adjust my decisions and my riding style in such a way that that razor edge I was walking or riding along mm -hmm. for either disaster or fame. I was, I kept consistently in a realm that was not, way above my confidence level. Like, so I, I was able to consistently find really entertaining, challenging lines that were of low risk. And like a good example is like, I'd ride, um, I did a few like um, train track segments where I'd balance along a train track and do really technical moves right. on a train track. And that's low consequence. And it was one of, you know, that was the cool thing I discovered was like, Hey, cool. I can have one of the um, most memorable segments in a film. And all I have to do is do some really technical things just a few inches off the ground. <laughs> yeah. Whereas some of the other riders in the film were like doing these massive big gap jumps and, having a lot more injury than, than I did. You know, I was pretty fortunate to not really get um, too injured through my career. Yeah. And yoga, yoga was part of that as well. Like that was, um, it brought, brought some really um, uh, important awareness to my, um, my body and what my body was trying to communicate to me in terms of the decisions I needed to make in uh, my riding career. So, yeah. Right on. Well, yeah, I want to talk a little bit more about yoga and sort of that transition. Before we move on, 
You also performed in Cirque du Soleil's La Nuba show in the late 90s and early 2000s. What was that like? Well, yeah, I mean, a cool experience for sure. A really cool experience. I um, am grateful to have had a stint there. It was a total of six months that I performed for them Mm -hmm. off and on because I was a substitute rider for someone who'd um, been injured a few times in the show. And so, um, yeah, more repetitive strain style injuries, but there was one um, breakage um, just from, yeah, just a freak kind of thing. But anyway, yeah, it was, um, I would not want to do that job full time because it's so repetitive. Uh It's just, you have to do the exact same moves every day, two times a day, you know, five days a week. And it was, you know, it just squashed any creativity. It's like, it's funny because it's funny because, you know, Cirque du Soleil, it seems like such a creative show, but for the people performing in it, it's just automatic. Yeah. It's just, yeah, the same every time. And, you know, sure you can put spirit and energy and, and whatnot through that performance, but there doesn't leave a lot of room for playing and creativity, which is something that um, I was able to bring to the trial shows that I performed all over the place. You know, there was always, there was so much more life and energy that, you know, I could interact with the audience and try different lines and have some fun. And it was, um, yeah, definitely something that I preferred. Yeah. Well, one of the tours that you actually put together was called Trials of Life uh, that would go out and you would do this in front of high school students, I guess, right? So what what motivated you to reach out to teenagers sort of in this way? You know, I'd done a lot of um, psychological work and a lot of thinking about living a, a healthy, positive lifestyle and, and also dealing with challenges that arise in life. And, you know, I learned a lot about that through my early career as a pro. And so I always had a lot of teenagers and even younger kids, you know, I kind of did middle school through high school. Um, that was my focus. And so, yeah, I did a couple hundred presentations to, oh, wow. to share this. It, it was tricky because it's like, the follow your dream thing is a tricky one. And that's not what I was doing. It wasn't like, it wasn't like I was saying, you know, look at me. I all, you know, if you want it bad enough and you practice enough, you'll become a pro too, which is not, you know, that's not the reality because um, it's a very unique position. Yeah. A lot of it's luck. It seems like. Well, yeah. Right. Timing. It's right circumstances, it's privilege, it's, um, you know, all these factors have to come together, like where you're, where you grow up, like, and so I was exploring those type of real topics with the students and sharing, you know, sharing, for instance, that, you know, for me, you know, I had to, I had to experiment and explore and try a lot of different things until I um, stumbled across mountain biking. And, you know, I was um, nothing really got me excited until I got mountain biking and, you know, mountain biking is the thing that changed my, changed my life in terms of like being shy. For instance, I talked about that in my presentation, you know, I was chronically shy. I didn't talk to anyone. I didn't really have many friends. And, um, it was through mountain biking, um, and performing trial shows that I ended up having to talk on the microphone in front of audiences. So I developed this whole new skill set. And so it's like, yeah, who you are now is not necessarily 
in forming who you're going to be in the future. It's like, no, you know, the possibilities of growth and learning and transformation are incredible once you do catch on to something that is inspiring and, and motivating and exciting for you, no matter what that is, whether it's art or sports or, um, you know, photography, video, politics, whatever it is. So, but exploring and trying things and then practicing and developing those mm -hmm. um, faculties are uh, kind of what I attempted to communicate. Yeah, that sounds really cool and really motivational. So are you still doing many trial shows these days or have you kind of put that in the past? Put that in the past. <laughs> it's uh, after thousands of shows, I was uh, done. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, it's not to say that if there's not a cool event that comes up that I won't do a trial show and perform again. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, for instance, the last the last trial show I did was a super special one because it was um, three generations of trials riders. It was at the IMBA World Summit. Oh. And it was, um, so Hans Ray, who was a generation before me, and then it was myself, mm -hmm. um, sort of the middle generation. And then it was Danny McCaskill, who is obviously sort of the, the latest generation, although there's yeah. pretty quick, pretty quick there, you know, <laughs> there's already sort of the next generation evolving from, from, from Danny. But uh, anyway, having those three, three generations together was really cool. And so like Hans was at that show. So who knows, maybe, maybe I'll be the, um, the elder generation in a trial <laughs> show in a number of years, um, somewhere cool. So we'll see. Yeah. Well, that's great that you're still able to, to do a lot of those same moves and things. And you, you mentioned a little bit about how yoga has helped you, I guess, both physically and mentally. And we did a story recently, Matt Miller, uh, got together with you to, to talk about some yoga poses and things that might be helpful to mountain bikers. So can you talk a little bit about the types of injuries that you sort of had during your career and, and how yoga helps with that? Sure. I mean, having and dealing with an injury can be the uh, motivation for trying yoga, you know, recovering mm -hmm. may be something that your physiotherapist or a friend suggests, Hey, you know, give yoga a try. It'll help you, you know, gain that range of motion back or something along those lines. So however you get into yoga, it's like, for me, it was uh, my wrists and my elbow and shoulders were fairly strained from different crashes and torques that I experienced, you know, landing in different ways and whatnot. And so, so yeah, it brought, that brought me to yoga. I wasn't able to be in a push-up position. I had to use my fists um, because, you know, my, my wrists were kind of <laughs> immobilized not they were capable of the full range just from the you know the way I was pushing myself so anyway yoga was um something that uh I went to from a friend's suggestion and for me it was wow this is really challenging there's you know a lot to learn here and so that got me excited it's like oh wow I want to explore this some more and um so it initially it was sort of that challenge and it was this instant realization that, oh yeah, this part of my body hurts. You know, I need to work on, you know, that, that range. And so I was starting to learn about my body and become aware of different parts of my body in a much more intimate way. And, you know, a lot of different sort of movement based exercise programs that have awareness 
mixed in like um some martial arts can be that way Mm -hmm. and you know like a pilates or whatnot those are really powerful practices you know i highly encourage every mountain biker to have some sort of body-based practice that brings the combination of breathing and awareness in you know because um we need to move our bodies in all of the different ranges every joint joint so our bodies remember that they're though it's available to them Mm -hmm. yeah well so i mean it sounds like for one it sounds like you're able to kind of reverse some of this overuse damage if you will to your body through yoga, which I think is encouraging for a lot of people who maybe think, oh, you know, I have, I have bad knees or I have, you know, this or that, and it's, it's just going to get worse or it's not going to get any better. So that's really encouraging. And also, yeah, I'm curious to know how it's changed your writing once you started doing yoga. Yeah, absolutely. It allowed me to have much, uh, a much higher level of self-care for my body is like, I was aware that certain riding risks or stunts I did, did not feel good on my body. Mm -hmm. And I had to listen. I I was able to begin listening to those messages um, a lot more honestly. And so based on that, it transformed the risks, the certain decisions I made about what stunts I was going to ride. And um, it, it also, inspired a much more stylish and smooth kind of riding because I, you know, I continued to develop my um, skill set and, um, you know, it was, you know, smooth riding allows for less impact on the body, uh, you know, a tighter technique. So that gradual, gradual progression of skill was something that um, I also um, was able to develop much more readily just because I was more self-aware of, of my body. So, yeah. Interesting. Well, these days you seem much more focused on coaching and sort of passing your skill set along to others. And, um, I want to talk more about that in depth, but I read that you started coaching other writers at a pretty early age. So was that, how did you get into that? And was that ever like awkward? Were you coaching like, people who are much older than you? Oh, totally. I was just a teenager when I started coaching. Yeah. Um, I was like 16. Yeah. When I started my first, did my first coach training program. And so I was um, coaching. There was never anyone really that was younger than me. Um, I mean, I did, I did, I did kids camps and stuff like that, but um, yeah, lots of adults and lots of private clinics, people, you know, especially as I began to get more well-known people would seek me out and ask for private clinics or I do group clinics and then I do specific kind of skills like balance clinics and and whatnot so it was it's been a it's been a theme throughout my entire career is 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 coaching um I did a series you know early on I was uh there was a tv show called the ride guide and I did a series of how-to um videos for that show and produced a dvd called mastering the art of trials which um was all instructional. And so, yeah, no, it's been a, it's been a really great theme through my career and I'm stoked to be able to translate all the things I've learned over such a long period of time into this online learning platform, which is, you know, just do it. I mean, that's completely transformed how I coach as well, having this technology available to offer 
the wisdom that I've collected in, in a way that is, that's actually digestible and that people can work, work with over time and not just get spewed all of this knowledge over like a day or two of a, of a clinic and, and sort of like, okay, see ya, never see ya again. <laughs> it's like I develop a relationship and my coach team develops relationships with the people going through the programs. And these people going through the programs are in it for, you know, months, uh, year, two, three, some, some have been on the, um, website for four years and um, have just gradually been working through all of the content because there's a ton of content there too. So it's like they can just learn at a natural pace and a natural rhythm, learn just like, it's like, okay, everyone on the site is educated to know that, hey, there's no shortcuts, there's no quick fixes, there's no magic formula that will instantly allow you to do you know a certain move it's like no this is this is you got to do your homework you got to log the time but hey here's the formula here are the gradual steps and drills that you can engage with that will help allow you to develop these techniques and skills and style in a gradual and safe way Mm -hmm. well yeah i was going to ask you sort of how it's different from some of the other skills classes and coaching programs i mean right off the bat it sounds like I think a lot of us are familiar with these like weekend skills camps or, you know, one day camps. And those seem to be really popular with a lot of riders, but it sounds like what you're offering is more of a long-term approach to, you know, really building these skills over time and, and there is no quick fix. Right. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, the in-person coaching, you know, as I've done through my career, it has many pluses and things that, can be done that can't be done online, but I see the in-person as a, you know, maybe um, as needed addition to the core um, online platform. Like that's the consistent sort of um, necessary foundation for learning. And then as needed, you go to do an in-person and, uh, and so it's, it's cool that it's not just, you, you know, it's not just passively watching a video. It's like, you know, there's a video, there's an assignment in the video. There's a written section to reinforce it and speak about the lesson, perhaps in some different language. And then there's the community aspect, the comment section below each lesson where students can submit their questions or submit their practice video for precise feedback. And so that that whole process is incredibly powerful for students who are willing to actually do the work and do the practice. It's like, and it's also like, you know, I'm, you know, it's just, it's not, I mean, it's promotion for my site. Yes. But the reality is that it's the best value for learning skills out there. It's like, you know, 19 bucks a month and the people who engage it are getting so much value. The people who are utilizing the coach team, because they've got a private, they've got a private coach anytime they want. They just have to ask the question. And, um, and so there's a bunch of, there's a bunch of people that are highly engaged that there's a component of people that are averagely engaged. And then there's a number of people that are more passively engaged. And so the combination, you know, in a membership, 
style business is that it all equals out to allow me to make enough money to provide this service to a lot of people and um, provide really great value. So, yeah, I mean, it's like you said that this is the time when sort of those technologies finally exist. And it sounds like you're leveraging sort of everything that's available to do something that's new and that's innovative and it, it seems like it's working well. And I know Matt is planning to review the 30-day wheelie program that you offer on your site. Is that a pretty popular program for you? And and if so, like what what do riders expect to get out of that when it comes to learning to ride a wheelie? Yeah. So I mean that's the most sort of romantic and exciting course. <laughs> that was that was the very first course that I launched actually. And um it's like you know, that's 30 lessons and um now I've got six hundred lessons on the website um spanning pretty much every technique and skill you can imagine. Um not to mention all of the physical fitness, the yoga content and the uh mental fitness. So the, anyway, the, the wheelie challenge, people can expect that it's a 30 lesson wheelie challenge. It's not 30 consecutive days Mm -hmm. and it's going to take work. It's going to take practice. You're going to get frustrated. There's again, it's again, this is not the magic fix. And there's a huge component of the course or a large component at the very beginning where there's homework that requires you to really acknowledge the fact that, hey, this is a serious challenge. This is going to be hard. And, um, you know, here are the ways that, um, you know, here are some of the, the, the things that people end up, some, some of the excuses people have, you know, acknowledge though, we acknowledge those up front. How long did it take you to learn how to do a wheelie from like the time, you know, I'm sure you were, you were a teenager or a kid and you said, I want to do a wheelie. How long did it take you? Yeah, I I remember it was something that I truly believed I wasn't capable of. I had I had this this belief that no matter what I did, I wasn't going to be able to learn how to wheelie. <laughs> wow! <laughs> and I, I tried and tried. I remember as as, um, as 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 a teenager, and you know, I got some support from one of the other, uh, a couple of the other mountain bikers who already knew how to do it. And so they showed me a few things and gave me some tips. And so I, you know, I just kept at it, kept plugging away and, you know, had the odd uh, experience of, Oh, that felt cool. That felt right. That felt good. And so I just, you know, I kept plugging away consistently over time and eventually I got it. I mean, it was probably the span of, you know, couple years or something like that, you know, of, of on and off practice. So yeah, this is definitely the 30 day wheelie challenge is definitely a potent dose of, of teaching and, um, riders can expect to spend multiple days on certain lessons, you know, where, where they end up getting stuck. And that's where the coach team is on hand and on call to help them work through that challenge and that struggle and to, um, help give that encouragement to say, Hey, you know, this is just part of the process, you know, try this, try, you know, work on this and, um, and let us know how it goes. And then, you know, they get on to the next lesson. And what are, what are some of the other skills that people seem to be most interested in learning beyond wheelies? Well, I always encourage people to engage the, uh, baseline balance skills course. And, um, you know, just, you know, so that's slow speed balance skills, um, track stands, hopping and rocking. And it's not the end result 
in this course or any course like wheelies for instance learning to wheelie yeah that's the uh, the icing on the cake but it's all of the steps all of the drills and lessons um, in that course and in the balance course that are incredibly valuable for overall bike body mind connection and um, intimacy development with the bike and awareness with the bike and uh so you know, you know it's so even like the bunny hop course the bunny hop master class or the manual master class it's these gradual steps and lessons that are um, each lesson in and of itself is a is an end result um it's in and yeah you, do you know what i mean yeah. I mean, it sounds like a very holistic approach, which is cool. And, and it's, you know, it sounds too like you're kind of borrowing some of this concept from yoga again, you know, that it's, it's the connection between the two, the mind and the body and, and sort of pulling it all together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I did, I studied as an, an, an integral coach, you know, I've got my certification as a integral master coach. Uh, and that was a pretty intense program. And that was based more around life and business coaching, um, performance coaching, not specific to any sport, but the concepts that I learned about the holistic nature of the body, mind, soul, spirit, you know, how they all combine community um, has informed how I've developed the content and also the website. So yeah, definitely you're picking up right that it's uh more of a holistic kind of program. And that's why I encourage the membership because it is, it provides that full taste, that full experience of um, being able to jump from one course to the next. Like sometimes um, we suggest, Hey, you know, you know, you're at this point in this course, but you know, it's going to serve you well to work on, you know, lesson um, one through eight in this other course before you come back, Mm -hmm. you know, that'll help to, um, you develop and round out your skill set in this other area that's uh, going to serve you to continue, say, you know, the the manuals or or whatever it might be um, jumping. So, yeah, that's really cool. So over the years, I'm sure you've had the opportunity to ride a lot of trails in a lot of different places. What are some of your favorites that you've ridden? Um, oh, man. I mean, I love the desert. I love um Arizona and Utah. I love, I love rock. I love, you know, technical slow speed trails that have a variety of creative line choices. You know, I can get, um, I can get playful. Mm -hmm. And, um, so that's what I'm, uh, I love that, but you know, obviously like living in BC, you know, you can't keep up with the number of new trails that are being built and they're, um, the quality is just so outrageously high and beautiful that, um, you know, it's paradise here, um, for, for a mountain biker, any, every, any level of trail, you can just go out and find and have like a great climb, a great descent. You can find something that's low stress or a little more risky, whatever it is. It's like, yeah, I mean, I, I love the riding here. You know, if I had a choice, I'd be a, a BC rider for, for life. And if I didn't have to, if I didn't have the opportunity to go anywhere else. So, yeah. Yeah. Very cool. So what are you working on for 2020? You got any projects or big goals that you're hoping to accomplish in the next year? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I've, I'm in the development of perhaps the most important course that I've developed yet. And it's called beginners blast off. Mm. And that's going to launch in the spring. Um, I'm going to Australia in February to do the filming for it. Oh, cool. And uh, get some nice weather. I'll be there for a month. And, <laughs> wow. Um, 
So that will be a course that is really crucial for new riders, like anyone new to the sport. You know, they're always making similar mistakes and you know they're they're always having to figure so many things out themselves and it's like no you know you don't have to reinvent the wheel you don't <laughs> yeah. have to you don't have to rely on your friends and riding riding buddies to provide you the tips it's like mm -hmm. no there's things that work and things that don't and you know this step-by-step -step course will gradually allow them to unfold a really strong start to their uh, mountain bike career, a really confidence inspiring, a really safe, you know, safety is key. And not only that, but encouraging and helping to early on instill the values and standards of relating to the industry in terms of, okay, well, you know, do I, what are the risks, risk levels that I want to take? What are the, you know, the products I want to buy, you know, the commercialism asset, exploring all of these things. Like, um, you know, if, if, if I tried to ramp up too quick or do the cool line or impress my friends, the whole ego aspects, you know, <laughs> that, that could limit the, the number of years I can ride and mountain biking, I believe should be a lifelong endeavor, something you can do late into your life. And, you yeah. know, that's something that, I think needs to be encouraged. And I think if those sentiments can be instilled in a course that new riders are engaging with, and even intermediate riders, you know, they're going to be encouraged to go through this course because there's certain key fundamental movement patterns that will be covered that a lot of riders aren't even aware are possible that, that they don't, that they miss that are missing in their toolkit. And so it's going to be a, um, a review and an intermediate rider kind of test in a way. <laughs> yeah. So I'm super excited about this course. Yeah. It'll be a big course and it's, uh, it's been a lot of work already and it's going to be a lot of work to produce, but you know, it's those, um, work and effort that goes into creating a course that, um, I know pays off with such great reviews and, and feedback from, from the riders that we, that we get from all our courses. Yeah. Very cool. Well, Ryan, thanks so much for taking the time to talk to us. I know your story is very inspirational to a lot of people. And I know also that your coaching program is something that a lot of people are going to be interested in. So thanks for joining us. Yeah, no, it's absolutely my pleasure. Thank you for the great conversation. Well, you can find out more about the Ryan Leach connection at ryanleach.com. And you can also get more information about Ryan and his career there as well. That's all we've got this week. We'll talk to you again next week. Mm -hmm.